Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Well, good morning, church family. Thanks for being here today. Week number two of our Draw Near series, and we're diving into the letter of Hebrews, which is a, it's a we're going to go 10 weeks deep dive. I mentioned last week, this is like steak for the soul. It's, it takes some, the truth that we're getting into takes some chewing, but it is so good. It's, it's protein with a, a bit of a punch, and the concern of the writer of Hebrews, or really the gift of this letter, is that that we would not drift from God, but rather draw to God, draw near to Him, and we do that through Christ. Jesus is the really the theme of this letter. We'll, be, we'll come back to draw near to God, hang on to the hope that you have in Christ, and then go love like Christ. Encourage each other as we go out and love like Christ. And so if you get lost in the, the trees at any point, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 to 25 is where you can go back, and it's like the cliff note version of the whole letter, okay? And it has those three primary emphases. The, uh, the last part of that uh, passage of Scripture, I believe it's verse 25, it ends like this. Encouraging one another all the more as we see the day approaching. So when we gather to worship like this, what are we doing? We're encouraging one another. To, to go spurring each other on to love and good deeds, to follow Christ. But, but when he says, all the more as you see the day, or that day approaching, what's he mean? What's, what's he pointing to? It's the day that the Lord promised, I'm coming back for you. And so either he, we meet him through his coming, or we meet him as we depart through death. But he's like, hey, when you get together as a faith family, encourage each other as you see that day coming. And the text that God gives us, especially today, helps us live this 24 hours, this day, with that day in view, and to, to make that day a great day. And so, I can't wait to, uh, to get into this text. It's, he locks us in with a warning about today, and he, he focuses our eyes on, okay, we have this 24 hours, here's the warning. It's over in uh, Hebrews chapter 3, we'll start reading in... Uh, the last part of, of this uh, text, and then we'll come back and, and we'll get it started. Um, we'll, we'll roll back and, and unpack. But here it is. Here's the warning. There in verse uh, 7, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7 says, So as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Now, a couple things to, to note on this. He's, uh, he's quoting Psalm 95, 1 to 7. And, but he's saying, okay, this applies to us as well. And this is God speaking through this psalm where he says, today. You might circle in your Bibles that word today. Where is God speaking to you today? Like in your life, in the journey of your life, where do you sense, okay, he's speaking into to what I'm going through. There's something I need to hear from him. And he says, today, if you hear his voice do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness where your ancestors tested and tried me for, for, through, or though for 40 years they saw what I did. And that is why I was angry with that generation. And I said, their hearts are always going astray 
and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath or in my anger that, uh, that they shall never enter my rest, meaning they would not enter the land that God promised them. Verse 12, he says, so see to it, brothers and sisters, or take care that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart. So a heart that, that does not trust the promise of God and that turns away from, from uh, the living God. But encourage one another, and here it is, daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And so what is it that, that God is warning us of today? And, and what the big like, watch out moment in this text is, don't let your heart be hardened so that you would turn away from the living God. This happened, and you say, well, well, when did this happen? And the moment in history that he's pointing back to is that moment where God clearly called Moses to lead these people out of Egypt, and he, remember, he took them out of Egypt, gave them miraculous signs across the Red Sea, split that Red Sea. They get out into the land of in-between, which is, when you think about your life and my life right now, where, where do we live? It's the land of in-between, between, between we, we've been called to be God's children, and yet we're not home yet, Right? And there are moments in this land of in between the wilderness, wilderness time of life where we get hot, we get thirsty, we experience pain. And when, what's the temptation that comes our way? When, and for Israel, they don't have water in this moment that he's referring to. It was the time of testing where they're like, and they got ticked at Moses, like, you let us out here and we don't have water. They're thirsty. What was, what's the temptation that comes to us in those moments? that we would doubt the goodness of God, right? Is God really good is what the tempter comes saying. It was the same thing he tempted Eve back in the garden. Is Can you really trust God? And it's in those moments when life is not good, when there's very real needs. For the people of Israel, they were thirsty. For us, it may be, I don't know, it may be a health situation or a job situation or a, a relational breakdown or something, and it's a hard season. And the enemy of our soul comes around with this lie. Can you really trust God? And what are we tempted to do? Turn away from the living God, hang on to, hanging on to his promise, following him obediently, and go live a self-led life. Say, I, I got to go get mine my way, versus trust God in this moment. What if Israel had turned to God in that moment? And we know Moses did for them, and what did God do? He, he provided water out of a rock. So it is with us, right? God is faithful. But what's the danger? It's that we would harden our hearts to him. Believe the lie that he's not good, that he's not enough, that I can't trust his promise. And we drift over here and we lead a self-led life, which always leads into hurt, pain, and, and uh, regret. And the writer here is saying, guys, when you get together, Encourage each other daily, like as long as it's called today, as long as you got 24 hours, encourage each other so that you will not be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. It is so slippery, isn't it? For the enemy, it's like, how did, we look back at them and like, Israel, how did you guys not trust God? Like, he, he parted the Red Sea, but they are us, aren't they? Like, we have those same moments where we're tempted to take matters into our own hands and, and drift from God versus trust Him. So, when we get together, we're to be encouraging each other, but the question is how? Or what do, we, what do we say? Like, what's the encouragement that we give each other? It's interesting, the last part of this in verse 13, where he does say, 
Um, but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today. And so he's assuming we're living in community and in relationship. And so it's important. And I think probably most of us have that community. If you don't, we, that's our, as a church, we, we encourage each other small groups and discipleship groups. But what, how do we encourage each other? And here's the answer and the big idea of the day. It's in chapter 3, verse 1. How do we avoid a hard heart as we follow Christ here in the in-between? It's this. Verse, verse 1 says, therefore, therefore. He's tying together what, what he's just said and what he's, he will say. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters. Holy means set apart for a special purpose. And so we know he's talking to Jesus' followers who share in the heavenly calling. And, and what is this calling? It's Hebrews 10. Draw near to God through faith in Christ. Hang on to the hope you have in Christ and, and go live the love of Christ as you do life. Therefore, fix your thoughts on Jesus the big idea today and the calling of God on our lives as we live in this in-between is to fix our thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and our high priest. Today, if there's one message that, that you remember, five words, so important. These five words will help us draw near to God, keep our hearts from becoming hard towards Him, and Keep us remembering his goodness, that yes, we can trust him. Yes, we can trust him. Fix your thoughts on Jesus. That little phrase, fix your thoughts, is unique. It's the idea of not just look at something and think about it and then bounce away, but rather look at something and see the deeper meaning in it. It's the same word used when Jesus said, consider the ravens of the air, like the birds. They don't freak out about, you know, what are they going to, is going to provide for them. Um, think about them. Like when you see a raven, think about how God provides for them. Similar here, as we think about Jesus, he's saying, let who he is really simmer in your soul and in your mind. Think about it um, and, and let that change you. Let that affect you. So you say, okay, where do we begin? And notice in this text, he says, uh, back to verse one, he says, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and our high priest. So as you think about Jesus, Two thoughts here that he sends us off into um, really realms of, of thinking about Christ. One is he, is he is our apostle. You say, well, how is he our apostle? This is the only time in Scripture Jesus is, is said to be our apostle. Well, what does apostle mean is the first question, right? And so what is that? What, what's an apostle? Literally, it means one sent, a sent one. So, And that takes us back to last week where the first part of Hebrews is really God spoke through Jesus. He sent a message to us through Jesus. And so our response is to listen to him. Now, the, the, these first century believers coming out of Judaism were struggling with, okay, what about Moses and the Old Covenant? So Genesis through Malachi. Do we listen to that or do we listen to Jesus? Last week we talked about that. Another thing they were struggling with were angels. Angels were sent to them with a message. They were apostles and they were from heaven, anytime somebody sees an angel in the Bible, pretty much, or many times, they, they fall down on their knees and worship. And so here was their struggle. Jesus became human, right? Fully God, fully human, but in taking on humanity, did he become less than angels in rank and authority and in the authority of his message? So if an angel shows up, should, 
Where do we align Jesus' teaching with angelic teaching? And one of the concerns and burdens of this writer is to say, guys, Jesus is an apostle that's above angels. What he, the, and he, we'll look at a couple texts just to summarize it. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 4 says, So he became as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. So clearly, Jesus, yes, he's fully human, but he's fully God, and in that superior to angels. Verse 14 says, are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who inherit, will inherit salvation? If you need a word of encouragement today, isn't it cool to think God created, we don't know how many angels, but their purpose is to minister to those of us who have inherited the salvation. So they have a variety. We don't see them, but we know later in chapter 13, he tells us, hey, entertain strangers because you don't know, you may see be entertaining actually an angel and providing hospitality for one of these ministering spirits who takes on human form. But, but angels, um, Jesus is superior to angels. And then the third uh, verse that, that summarizes this is in chapter 2, verse 5, where he says, it is not to angels that he has subjected the world to come, about which we are speaking, but there is a place where someone has testified... And he goes on to quote uh, Psalm chapter 8, which is a core psalm about really our place in the universe where it says God made humans a little lower than the angels for a time. But we know when the new world comes, the new new heavens, new earth, we will actually rule over the angels. Our authority will be over those. So it's into this context that uh, he shifts his thought to not only is Jesus our high priest, I mean our uh, apostle, but he's also our high priest. And so if you would join me in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9. And what we're going to see here, I'll just give a context for this. Okay, the calling of the day, fix your thoughts on Jesus. He's our high priest, we need, I mean our apostle, we need to be listening to him. But he is also our high priest, which honestly, this is one of those truths I know I don't think a lot about as living here as a Western Christian and as a Gentile. I, we, I didn't come up under having a high priest as part of my, my worship. So it, it hasn't been a, a, a focal point for me. I don't know if you feel that. But God's calling us to, to think about this, that, that Jesus is our high priest. And there is some powerful truth that, that creates both comfort, but also a growing love for God keeping our hearts from becoming hard towards him as we think about Jesus as our high priest. So there's a ton in this text. We're going to look at four core truths that as we think about these truths, and I would encourage you, write these truths down and then let them simmer in your heart like a crock pot throughout this week. And just, um, it it fills us with with love for the Lord as we start to understand um, who he is as our high priest. So here's the... uh, the first one, chapter uh, 2, verse 9, it says, But we do see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, speaking of his humanity, for a little while, but now crowned with glory, honor, and honor, because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God, this is his death on our behalf, fully by the grace of God, so that he might taste death. For everyone. 
says, think about this. Jesus tasted death for me. The idea here is that he drank the cup of suffering or the cup of God's wrath that I deserve, that, w- uh, that we've offended a holy God and we, he must punish someone. And God himself, Jesus taking on humanity, took on humanity so that he might drink the cup of my suffering, my death. He drank my poison so that I will never have to drink that cup. This is who he is. Think about that. Fix your thoughts on this one. And in those moments when we doubt his goodness or can I really trust God? This is who he is. And yes, I can trust him. One of the questions that comes to mind in this is, okay, but I still have to die, right? Like, he drank, how, how could he drink a cup that I don't have to drink if I still have to drink death? And this is where it's important to understand this concept of death. When we say death, we refer usually only to the physical death where our body is separated from our soul. And death means separation. But there's also a spiritual death, and that's the death that, that's in view here. Jesus suffered both physical death, but spiritual death is when our soul is separated from our Creator, the one who sustains us. And that is the, the ultimate death, the ultimate pain, the rip that wrecks the soul, where, where the love that we crave is not there, that the peace that we crave is not there, that the that everything we need for life and sanity and well-being is, is ripped away. We're separated. And our minds can't, can hardly even comprehend the pain in that. That's the death Jesus suffered for you and me on the cross. In the moment that Jesus took our sin upon himself and died for us, He suffered the hell of the Godhead. And and this is mystery, and we don't fully understand, but where the Father turned his back on on his Son, and Jesus was alone in that darkness and in that suffering. He tasted the poison that I deserve so that I will never have to taste that. And how good is our God? How great is our salvation? He tasted death for me. And then he says, okay, think about this. Another truth as we fix our thoughts on Jesus is in verse 10. It says, in bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer. And this is an important word to to circle in your Bible. that Should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. So that both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. And the truth here is, as we fix our thoughts on Jesus, Jesus pioneered my salvation through what he suffered. And what God's bringing into view here is is a, a really neat picture. That word pioneer, it means to be the, the first one to open the way for many to follow. And, and so 
Why did Jesus take on humanity, become human? It was so that he, as a one of us, the, uh, one of the uh, descendants of, of Adam's race, would lead sons and daughters, those who have been broken by sin, and those who are, and I picture we're living in this, the dominion of, of darkness, we're broken, um, dead in our sin, that he might pioneer. And I picture on the cross, he pushed open the doors into paradise so that he might lead sons and daughters into glory. Isn't that a cool picture? Isn't it? I'm so thankful God brought the sun out today um, for us to worship. And, and I just see like when Jesus died on the cross, he pioneered our rescue, our redemption, our salvation. He pushed open the gates into glory, the new heaven and the new earth. Through, what's the text say? Through what he suffered. Can you trust him? Is he good? Does he have your back in the in-between, in the wilderness times of life? Oh, yeah. As we watch what he did for us, providing the way for us through faith in him to to, uh, experience glory or life forever with him. One of the questions, interpretive questions that comes out of this text is perfect. Like, how does... It says God made Jesus perfect, and so that word perfect seems to indicate that Jesus was not perfect at some point, but we know that he was sinless, he was the perfect sacrifice, so how do, what's going on there? And it's, the question is answered when you understand the word that is used in the Greek, it's teleon, which doesn't mean perfect in the realm of, of uh, having been, having sin and then now he didn't have sin. What it means is, teleon means to be made complete or mature, to accomplish what, what someone was created to accomplish. And we talk about this for our own sanctification, becoming like Christ. But what this means is, why did Jesus take on humanity? And he's saying, he, to make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered, meaning it was in his suffering that his humanity accomplished what his humanity was created to accomplish our salvation our redemption to lead many sons and daughters into glory does that make sense so um, fully mature in the on the cross he accomplished what what he came to accomplish so think about this Jesus pioneered my salvation through his suffering on the cross the next thought as we fix our thoughts on Jesus is found there in verse 14 as it says since the children have flesh and blood children speaking of us he too shared in their humanity so that by his death and here's where it gets good he might break the power of him who holds the power of death that is the devil and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death For surely it is not the angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. The third thought here to to just let simmer in our soul as we fix our thoughts on Jesus is Jesus died as one of us to break the power of the devil over us and to set us free from the fear of death. When Jesus died for us, we know that his death Life and his death were the perfect sacrifice that were pleasing to the Father so that he promised whoever 
comes to me in faith will receive forgiveness of sin and a right relationship with God that, that will go on forever. So our sin is forgiven, but, but here's what's beautiful about today. Here in the land of in-between, Jesus came into our prison to break the power of the, the dominion of darkness or the devil over us, meaning when we're born, we're born slaves to sin. So that when the devil says, jump, we have to jump. We can't say no to the temptations. We can improve ourselves a little bit on the outside, but we're always broken on the inside. Motives are messed up. We're always living for me. But when we come to Christ, he sets us free from the dominion of the devil. We're still tempted, but we have the power now to say no. When the devil says jump, we can say not jumping. This is our, um, what he came to give us and to set us free from slaver, slavery to the fear of death. So that, so that now death is no longer something to fear, but rather it's a doorway to life. This past week was a, a sobering one for us as a, a culture. And um, as the death of Kobe Bryant and his daughter and the seven others just shocked us on Sunday afternoon and then rippled across the world, really. And Kobe being a, a, a very popular figure, but each of those lives precious. And the uh, I know... Being a sports guy and really having grown up watching Kobe grow up and all, through all the stages of his career, it hit me hard and I was telling Tam, I, we'll probably remember where we were when we heard that news just because it was such, such a shock. We were in our living room, had just watched the IU game and bemoaning the fact of uh, the Hoosiers giving away another one to Maryland. And, uh, but we're all just messing around on our phones or whatever when we hear Kobe Bryant has passed away at age 41. We're like, rolled back and this can't be. And texts started coming where um, Jesse at college, like, Dad, you hear this? My dad was texting, hey, did you hear this? And it just rippled through our world. And the, uh, our thoughts and prayers have been with these families, but it reminds us it's a, a real, reality check, isn't it, that, that life is a precious gift, life is brief, and the thing that just keeps hitting me is, it doesn't matter how successful, it doesn't matter how wealthy, it doesn't matter how healthy, how strong, whatever it is that, that we would prize and we would put up here and that we would chase, we need a Savior. We can't keep ourselves alive. But here's the good news. We have a Savior. Why did Jesus take on humanity? It was for this problem. It was the death that all of us will face. And the good news is, as we come to Him in faith and trust, He takes this horrible thing, death, and He turns it into a victory. Take that devil. Where now, death it's the doorway to life crushed his head. And everybody who names the name of Jesus does not fear death. In fact, we're looking forward to it. The closer we get, what Paul say? For me to die is gain. For me to live is Christ. I'm here to help everybody in the land of in between get through your stuff. But I can't wait for that day that I fall asleep in the arms of Jesus. That day is simply a packing up of this earthly tent that is decaying 
to step into life as it has never been lived and to breathe the air of immortality, to see the people I love knowing I will never have to say goodbye again, and to step into this life of endless cycles of exhilarating um, accomplishments, as uh, Dallas Willard puts it, I'm butchering his, uh, how he said it, but it's not going to be floating on a cloud playing a harp, you guys. It's going to be living the life he created us to live in a, a world that's not fallen and broken under the curse. Take that devil, and we're not believing a word you say when you say, is God really good? Because he came down into my prison, took my pain, set me free, and set me free from the slavery to the fear of death. Amen? That's the gospel. And so we fix our eyes on Jesus. But the next thought as we think about Jesus and fix our thoughts on him is in verse 17 where he says, For this reason he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. So the next thought here as we think about Jesus is, he is my merciful and faithful high priest. So for us, one of the questions becomes, what's a high priest? What's a high priest do? Well, for one thing, a high priest had to be human, and it had to be a human picked by God. You can just raise your hand and say, like, I'm going to be a priest. It was Aaron and his family. God chose Jesus to be the high priest. And, and a high priest chosen by God, human, represented broken humanity to God. So he's like the bridge, but also he represented a holy God to broken humanity. And here we see that a Jesus is our, how does he say it? Merciful and faithful high priest in service to God. So how was he faithful? He was faithful in, he offered the perfect sacrifice. He made atonement for our sin. Under the old covenant, a high priest had to keep offering sacrifices. They weren't sufficient fully. You had to offer another one. But Jesus, when he offered his body and his blood for us, it was the perfect atoning sacrifice, sufficient to cover the guilt of our sin today and to eternity. And when he was in the garden wrestling with it, saying, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass. But the Father said, no, the cross is, is the way. He was faithful. And in that we worship him, don't we? But, but he's also merciful. And this is the one this week that started to marinate my soul and, and just bring some comfort. It says he had to be made fully human in every way so that he could, um, how's the text say it? Um, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. And this is one of those parts of the uh, theology and a doctrine that we call the hypostatic union. Jesus is fully God, fully man, that goes up into mystery. It's the cloud of mystery. We don't fully understand it, but Jesus is God, but he is man. He's human. He's one of us. So that when we go to him in prayer, we go with the thought that he gets it. <laughs> he knows what it's like to be really tired and be tempted to lose your patience and say stuff that you just shouldn't have said. Or he knows what it feels like to be betrayed by a friend. 
and to feel your social world just going crazy. And he, he knows what it, it feels like to be poor and not have stuff. Not, at one point in his life, didn't even have a pillow to sleep on. He knows what it's like to be tempted in, in ways that we don't even understand as he was perfect. He gets it. And the other part of this that really hit me that this week, when we see him someday, it's going to be human on human. Like, God is one of us. Like, I'm going to look into his eyes, and we're going to talk, and I'm going to feel his embrace. He, he became human that we might know him. And love him and like be able to relate human on human. And that just starts to put a love in my heart and a longing for that day. Do you feel that? That there's some comfort there. So that Andy's able to help us when we're tempted. Um, We go to him when we need help and, and he knows what we need and he's able to help us. And so we fix our thoughts on him. Do you guys feel the power in this? How can I live this day following the Lord in a way that will make that a good day when I see Him face to face? Here it is. Fix your thoughts on Jesus. He drank my poison. He pushed, He was the pioneer for my salvation. He broke into my prison, set me free, and He is my high priest today. He made the sacrifice. He's interceding for me. Man, it makes me want to worship Him, thank Him. It makes me want to witness for Him, um, talk about Him. But it protects our hearts, doesn't it? From that little doubt that comes in. Is God really good? Can you trust Him in this time of wilderness? Yes, yes, a thousand times yes, as we fix our eyes on Him. So bringing it all together, the big idea of the day, it's to fix our thoughts on Jesus. He is our apostle. He came with a message of hope. Um, listen, we listen to him, pay attention, but he's also our high priest. And we think about these truths. We allow these truths to marinate in our soul. So this week, the, uh, the events of the week left me thinking about legacy. And it was something I was thinking about this summer as well. And think as your own life. In your own life, when your departure day comes and somebody asks someone who knew you well, how would you sum up your life? What's the summary of your life? And on a Sunday afternoon, Tiger Woods was playing in the golf tournament, and Tiger being a friend of LeBron, as soon as the tournament was over, he found out. And with nothing but like a few uh, minutes to process this, they stuck a mic in front of his face and said, What's Kobe's legacy? And without missing a beat, he said two words, competitive fire. And if you follow Kobe, you know, he nailed it. He was fully devoted to the game of basketball. What would be the two-word summary for your life? Somebody who knew you well, boom, boom, or one-word summary. And this summer, as I was thinking about my legacy, and what's my life message? What's the takeaway from your life, from my life? I came down to two words. I hope, hope, hope it's follow Jesus, right? Follow Jesus. If you know him, I'm sure that's really some version of that. Follow Jesus. He is our hope. He's everything. 
Follow Jesus. And the way Kobe played basketball, fully devoted. Follow Jesus. And the rest of it, for me, goes into a life of love. Loving God, loving people with courage, with humility, and with joy. But whatever it is, boiling it down to follow Jesus. Well, if I hope to leave a legacy like that, and you hope to leave a legacy like that, how do we do that in the land of in-between? Temptations coming our way. If we hope to leave a legacy, follow Jesus. The writer of Hebrews says, fix your thoughts on him. Think about him. Let him be first in your thoughts. Consider him and never lose sight of the fact that he drank your poison. He pushed open the doors to paradise through the cross. He broke into your prison and set you free as he took on humanity and suffered in your place. And today, he is your high priest, fully human. He gets you, interceding for you, and one day we will see him face to face. Amen? And so may we live this day for that day. This day for that day. This day for that day. No better place to fix our eyes on him than communion. And so we're going to have a time where we just gather around his table. And what we'll do today is as we take the bread, we remember his body that was broken for us, the cup. Or the juice we remember is blood that was poured out for us. And it's a time of worship. I'll read some scripture and then we'll eat the bread together. And then we'll eat the, or drink the juice together. But I encourage you just to spend some time talking with him, thanking him, um, confessing and, and worshiping him in these moments. Father, as we come to this sacred time of, of just worshiping you, as we remember, Jesus, what you did for us, we... Our hearts are filling up with gratitude that you became human and we don't fully understand it, but we believe it and we treasure it. That Jesus, you took our humanity that you might live the perfect life that none of us have to die in our place as our sacrifice so that we might be forgiven and and taste the joy of living forever with you. We just praise you for that. As we look to the cross, we see your body that was broken and torn that through your sacrifice, we were able to enter into this relationship that we treasure. So we worship you in these moments. We praise you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.